But let's, uh, let's dive in. Um, devices away, unless you're taking notes or following in the Bible. Um, well, good morning. How are we doing? Good, good. Um, we're going to begin a new series uh, starting today uh, on discipleship. And uh, I, I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know when it's going to end. Uh, so buckle your seats. Uh, here we go. And, and uh, this is an introduction to it, really. And I'm kind of sort of rambling slightly to begin with, simply because I've got a load of notes here, and I'm going to try and stick to them, but they're slightly jumbled. And they're slightly jumbled because, if I'm really honest with you, I'm slightly jumbled by it all too. And uh, I know that doesn't breed huge confidence in you as you're listening to this, um, but it's just been something I've been talking to some of you folks about, I've been reading some stuff about this, uh, and we got some teaching on this actually last Thursday, and it's just really messed my head up. And uh, so I hope that this kind of comes out okay, and I hope over the next few weeks as I begin to sort of, well, we begin to journey this stuff together that kind of makes some sense but also that we do this stuff. Because here's the thing, we said this before, haven't we? It's like, what we say here are important words, hopefully. And they have the ability to change our lives. And so, as we talk about this thing called discipleship, and what that means, it's not what it means, it's actually, how does that change my life? Because all of discipleship, actually, is about changing lives. It's changing our lives, it's changing other people's lives. And discipleship is everywhere. It's all around us. It's, uh, everyone here is a disciple. And I would say most people here are discipling others as well. Because if you look at a, a dictionary um, definition for it, a disciple is a follower or is a pupil. And we're all disciples. We're all followers. You know, Any of us follow Liverpool Football Club? I was, I was with a devout Liverpool follower yesterday, screaming at the TV, and uh, and, and we, we could pick anyone, couldn't we? Like the rugby that's starting on Friday, and that's very quiet. I thought I'd get more, but but you know we're, we're followers. We're followers of things. We're followers of people, and uh, and what have you. Anyone here got an Apple product? Apple Macintosh product? Come on, put your hands up. Thank you very much. I am too. I'm working off one as we speak here. Uh, as we went to the break, um, I noticed the four here all got their Apple Macintosh things out and you were doing something with them. And uh, there's many disciples of the product. The late Steve Jobs did, did, did a great job along with a load of others. And there are many great followers. Did you know that you can book an appointment to a genius bar or have a one-to-one -one, or attend a workshop at the Apple store place in Mecca, in the, 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 the Victoria Square place where we all go to worship. Other leading brands. Get my point? Has anyone been had a genius appointment? Anyone? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Simon, you're a regular, I bet, right there. Right there. Like, 
Simon, Simon could do the appointments. He's like a black belt in Apple products. If you've got a problem, he's your man, okay? Whereas there's numpties like me who haven't backed up my iPhone for 26 weeks because the cloud is full. Anyone else like that? And I delete, <laughs> it's the annoying thing, I delete the photographs off it because that's the big meg, isn't that right? Or the gig, I don't know, I get well confused and all that stuff. And I'm like looking at it going, I've deleted like 500 photos, surely the cloud, surely it will let me. And it doesn't, does my head in. I told you it was going to be rambled and jumbled up this morning. But here's the point. That's just one product. And there's many, many devout, devout followers of such a thing. So, as pastors of this church, it's not a question of, are we making disciples? Because that isn't the question. That's not the right question to be asking. The right question to be asking is, what sort of disciples are we making? Because that's the family business. The end goal which is in the notes for later. The end goal is the end of Matthew 28. It's to go and to make disciples. So that's what we're about. But the question is, what kind of disciples are we making? Let's look at Jesus. Jesus came to establish the kingdom here, the here now on earth as it is in heaven. And he communicated this in many ways and he demonstrated this in many ways too in the three years that he went on mission. And he started... Uh, something that would spread throughout the ends of the earth. If we had a product, if we had an idea, we would use the internet, we would use social media, we'd use all those things to kind of spread our product. And Jesus obviously didn't have access to those, and I don't know that he would have even used them even if they were available to him. And it's not, it's not that they're bad in any way. Jesus' method of spreading and communicating this new kingdom uh, thing that he was establishing here on earth was through men it was and women but it was it was the method was man and mankind it was his plan a his only method and his only plan in luke 6 says this he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles we're going to talk about that at another time. Discipleship and apostleship. We'll talk about that some other time. And the 12 names, there was Simon, whom he named Peter and his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon, Judas, and Judas Iscariot. And then in Mark, the more intimate account of how he called them. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon. And his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And what's so helpful as we understand, we unpack the lives of these disciples with just how ordinary they were. They were the common folks. They were the hardworking laborers of their day from the poor side of the region of Galilee. And that's what gives us such hope that Jesus, he didn't go to the synagogues and take out the people who had the fine seats of recognition in those places or the religious people of those days. He called the ordinary people 
in around into relationships with him. And before Jesus ever preached a sermon, before Jesus embarked on his ministry for those three years, he gathered a small group. He gathered a group of men to share his life with, but also to impart something significant because it was plan A to spread this whole thing of the kingdom throughout the ends of the earth. It was through men. It was what his plan A was all about. So if we're here today, if you're sitting here this morning and you've given your yes to Jesus, you have responded to the knock on the door and you have opened it to him and said, yes, Jesus, come live in me. You too are a disciple. You are a follower and you are a pupil of the king. And the gatekeeper opens the door, the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. The first point before we go anywhere else in any of this season is we need to know that we are called, that you are called. If you've given your yes to Jesus and you've responded to him in that way, you need to know that you are called. You are a called person. You're a called man or you're a called woman. And he's calling you into something. And I'm going to give you 60 seconds. This is what teachers do. I'm missing it like a hole in the head. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you 60 seconds thinking time. And here's the question. If that's right, if that's true, what am I called to? What are you called to? If you're a sheep, you've responded to the shepherd. What, what is he calling you to? What does that look like? Think about that. Catch up reading my notes. I wonder what you're thinking. Um, we could do feedback, but we're not going to. We're just going to kind of keep going. My guess is that you thought maybe some of these things. He's called you into relationship with him. That was the first thing that he did, wasn't it? He's like, lads, come follow me. I, it never ceases to amaze me. How did they respond? At once they left their nets and went on a journey. That's unbelievable, isn't it? I wonder in today's culture whether that would happen at once they left they left everything that they knew they left their security their paid jobs and they went and followed this guy where they were going to go who knows what they were going to be doing who knows but it was significant enough for them to respond so yes God has called us into relationship with him and that's the best thing it's the best thing to be in relationship, deep intimacy with Jesus is just the most wonderful thing. It's life-changing for us personally.
But it isn't just a personal relationship with God. And somewhere along the lines in our culture, in our society, we have looked at that and seen, goodness, this, this relationship with God thing, it's all about personal relationship with Jesus. That's just a part of it. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's out of that deep, intimate relationship with God that we have that the rest of it comes out of. And so yes, God has called us to relationship with him. He has called us to receive his love, to receive his forgiveness, to receive life in all its abundance. But I just think that's just part of the story. That's just part of what Jesus was calling the disciples into and what he's calling us into. Jesus called his disciples to lay down their lives. Say it again. He called his disciples to lay down their lives and change the world. And so whenever we look at this thing called discipleship, we're going to be talking about it for weeks probably. When we talk about it, a disciple is someone who lays down their life, but also to change the world. You asking Siri something? What's he say? Jesus literally called them into relationship, but he was selecting this crack command team. These 12 disciples, they were going to take it on further and longer. When Simon Peter and his brother Andrew left their nets, they probably had no idea how much it was going to cost them. It's going to cost them their very lives. And traditional belief uh, says that Peter, many years later, uh, dies. He's in Rome. And, uh, and that he requested to be crucified, the same as Jesus, but upside down. The, the thinking is that he, wouldn't, he wasn't worthy enough to be crucified in the same fashion as Jesus himself and requested that it be upside down. I wonder, all those years earlier, when Jesus said, come follow me, whether he would have done it. Whether he would have been prepared knowing that, that the end was going to be that whether he still would have gone for it and left his nets. Mm, no, Jesus, I'm all right catching fish. Thanks very much. A disciple is someone who lays down their lives, and it is a costly, costly thing. Jesus came to bring the kingdom. He came to restore broken humanity, and it wasn't just the cross but it was to impart something to others that they might continue. His plan, his strategy was through men. And Jesus spoke to the masses and he drew large crowds and he performed many miracles and he demonstrated the kingdom in signs and wonders, but he chose 12. And he chose 12 to invest his time and his energy and his life into those 12 individuals. So whilst he spoke to the masses, it was the 12 that he imparted his life to, entrusting the rest of the journey, the rest of the kingdom activity through men. It was through those 12 and that was the strategy. Have you ever wondered this? Why did Jesus only spend three years doing the stuff? So 30 years, he's a kid, grows up, learns a thing or two about wood and how to make furniture and stuff like that. And then he gives that up. And he goes and he does, 
does what he does, what we know about, for three years. How come he didn't spend five years? Or ten years? Or thirty years? Never wondered that. We don't really know the answer. But in many ways, he didn't need to. You know, he only visited a small country. When there's a whole world. You know, Paul and others got a lot further than he got to. Why did he only spend three years? He only needed to spend three years. It was the time that he took to invest his life and instill a culture, a kingdom culture into the lives of those people. And it wasn't just that he demonstrated and he taught them those things over that time that brought about such life change in them. It was that he knew that he was leaving his very presence with them through the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And so in John we read, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. It's for your good. Guys, you're going to miss me like crazy. It's going to be tough. You're going to feel absolutely abandoned. Your hearts are going to be shattered when I'm gone. But it is good that I go. Because if I don't go you're not going to get what's promised to you. What's promised to you is the advocate. The Holy Spirit would come and I will send him to you. And so Jesus is preparing his disciples and he says this to us this morning. I am giving you of myself. It's enough to do what? To lay down your lives, to follow him, but to change a broken, hurting world. Folks, it's not enough to have a personal, loving relationship with Jesus. Whilst that's brilliant, it's that that compels us and transforms not only our own lives, but equips us and empowers us to go and to give it away, share it, and to go and make other disciples we are coming into land. The goal, what's the goal? The goal is to practice the two greatest commandments that we might fulfill the Great Commission. We talk about it in this church from time to time. We talk about the seas of connection and, and um, uh, they're so good. I, you know, community and compassion, thanks dear. The connection is, is relationship with God. That's, that is our primary, that is our first point of call. That's why we develop, why we develop, well, that's the wrong word, why we devote so much time into the worship that we do as part of our services. Because we know, because we experience in those moments that we connect with him in such a deep and meaningful way. And it's through relationship with God that he gives us and compels us to have a relationship with one another. And it's not just one another here. Whilst we love each other deeply and that's such a part of who we are. But it's through the two greatest commandments of loving God and loving our neighbours as ourselves that equips us and gives us what we need to fulfil the great commission. The great commission of going into all the world and making disciples. It's the family business it's what we're called to. It's what we're made for. It's what we're designed for. 
Um, we were in Coleraine on Wednesday and Thursday, and we, we went uh, for two days training um, at our, our old church at Causeway Coast at the vineyard there. And um, it was head-melting stuff, but it was good stuff. It was wonderful stuff. And um, at, at the end, I, I had a conversation with our friend, uh, our old pastor, with Alan Scott. And I just said um, to him, uh, mate, it's been five years since we were here with you guys. And, and, and I'm not sure I adequately communicated to you how grateful I am to you. And so if I didn't then, I'm, I'm going to say to you now, thank you. Thank you for investing so much of yourself in me. And uh, graciously and humbly as he is, he, he just said, I don't know about that. I don't know how much of that that I actually did, but I hope that you caught something from being around us. And uh, there's two things. Firstly, he did invest a lot. He invested a lot in a relational one-to-one basis. We spent many times speaking about uh, God, about the kingdom, and about how to, um, how to lead people into life and how to lead a community into life. And we chatted lots about that. Not only did we do that as one-to-one, but we did that as a team. And that was very, very important with our time there. But he's also right. From being in the culture that, was, that God was creating with us was enough to kind of change the way I thought, change the way I looked at things, and to change the way that I was entering into this kingdom thing. And so with that, I, I, this is just an introduction um, and a bit of a ramble. But it's hopefully painting the picture. A disciple is someone who lays down their lives, but in a way that changes the world. Guys, we're... We're not about trying to create a good church. I love it. Like, and I love you, most of you. And uh, that's not true. I, uh, 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 struggle a bit with Sergi. Um, but this is, and it's great. It's so fantastic. There's lots of people here, and that's wonderful. It really is, and we really mean that. But it's more than this. That's the point I'm making, and I hope you get that, and I hope you're not insulted by that. We're about more than this. This is an hour and a quarter of, I'll do the math, seven times 24 in a week. An hour and a quarter that we get to be together in this environment. So there's loads and loads of hours when we're out there. And God as calling us to be salt and light, to invade, to transform, and to change, and to usher in and bring the kingdom wherever we go. That's what it's about. Guys, if we know Jesus, our seat is secure. We're on the bus. We're on the train. We've got our ticket. We're going to heaven. We'll see you there. But we've got a job to do while we're here on earth. And that's what we're going to delve into a bit more. What that looks like over the next few weeks. We're done. And what time are we? Can't see. We've got loads of time. Brilliant. 
Guys, with the worship team, would you guys come? Um, we're going to worship just a little longer. And then we're going to pray. We're going to see, well, what, okay, if that makes any sense. Or what's God stirring up? What's he doing in us? Because we want to respond to him. Or we want to be imparted. We want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit that comes on us.